Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Habits. In this series, we are focusing on habits that we can implement into our routine that bring focus and health into our spiritual, emotional, and physical lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Good morning, everybody. Oh, we're glad you're here. We're in the second week of our study called Habits, Intentional Choices in a Busy Life. If you haven't picked up a copy of the book, we encourage you to do so after the service because uh, this is something we're going to be studying for a while. And we believe that God wants us to go deeper in our relationship with him. And we believe that, that these habits that are revealed in Scripture that have been used for millennia can help us go deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, today we're going to be talking about the habit of community. So I'm going to invite Cheryl Sheridan to come up. Uh, Cheryl is one of our leaders, and recently she shared some information with me just about the power of community in her life. And so this morning I, I wanted to ask Cheryl some questions so you can actually hear what God has done in her life uh, through the power of community. Cheryl, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you shared something on Facebook about uh, the power that communities had in your life. And so I assume that you have friends outside of the church. So what made uh, these relationships inside the church so powerful for you? Well, first I'll kind of contrast the friends that I did have. Um, I had what I thought were a lot of friends outside of church, like a really big group. I had friends in my fitness classes. I had my mom group friends. I had friends from the wellness company that I was with. I had friends in the organizations I volunteered at, and I had my best friends. Uh, it sounds like I had a really big community, right? Um, but it wasn't so. Most are what I called surface friends. Uh, my friendships were based on complaining to one another, gossiping, going out to eat, drinking wine, uh, drowning our problems in misery, because misery loves company, right? <laughs> sure, I found some joy in those moments, but they were brief. And I, uh, I found some temporary support, but it stopped there. And when I needed my community the most, they weren't there. Uh, but what I found, now in contrast, what I found when I joined the Valleybrook community uh, was beyond anything I could ever imagine. I, I found um, that the Holy Spirit was pulling me to join a life group right away. And, and I did, right immediately, and I soon realized that I joined a community of love yeah. and learning. Um, so over these past two years, I found healing, I found wisdom, I found guidance, I found the power of prayer, I found real friendships who supported me through really tough times, and they didn't disappear. I found honesty, even when it was hard to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found peace, I found love for others, and I found God's love for me. God is the source of all of that, and he did that through community. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a journey, church, uh, but what a contrast, the community I thought I had and the community I have right here at Valleybrook. Yeah, yeah. So you shared with me this idea that you needed to be part of something that was bigger than yourself. Can, can you share what, what that means? Yeah. Um, two years ago, actually this very weekend, wow. um, I felt lost. I was struggling with my health, both physical and mental. Um, I'm not talking about having bad attitude or really bad cold. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about I had a full mental and physical breakdown. 
along with severe uh, physical adrenal fatigue, debilitating anxiety, and heart issues. Um, I couldn't work um, because my work was very physical. I was a, a fitness instructor who taught several classes a week at several locations. Um, and I was a health coach um, and a nutrition coach. So in this forced downtime, I was watching YouTube videos to how to fix your life, um, seeking something, someone, some God bigger than me. But it led me to actually picking up this old tattered uh, Bible that my great aunt had given me, and I couldn't even pronounce it, and the, I don't know, the, the chapters, it was all very strange. Yeah. <laughs> so through one of the videos, the YouTube videos I was watching, I um, ordered the Bible in a Year uh, Bible. So, um, and I, I figured, hey, that must be the Bible for dummies <laughs> because <laughs> I hadn't picked up a Bible in over 30 years or 20 years or whatever it was. Um, and I felt that uh, I had walked so far away from the Lord, he probably forgot me. So yeah. I had to get reacquainted. Yeah. But that wasn't so. Yeah. Two years ago, I sat right in that back row and I found my seat. Um, and as worship was underway, I heard loud and clear, you are home. I cried for the most, most of the time I was here. I don't remember anything that was said or saying. I do remember Becca and Daniel being up here. <laughs> he knew I needed, he, he, I knew this was the community he led me to. Um, he knew I needed community to heal physically and spiritually to learn how to grow my relationship with him. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things in our conversation, you talked about love and about faith so, and how that all ties everything together. Can you share with us about that? Yeah. Um, because of God's love, he created community for us uh, to feel supported in a life that's full of daily stress, struggles, and the messiness of modern life. We are, when we're in community, it gives us to ch a, the chance to be around others who are in different stages of their faith journey. We really do life together, learning, praying, lifting each other up, laughing and crying together. We know that being in church uh, is important, uh, but I felt right away that if I wanted to learn more, heal more, uh, find more peace, love God more, being, in the, being part of a community was important, not just sitting in, in the back row there. Um, Life Group has been vital to my overall faith journey, and it gave me the confidence to now co-host um, a women's life group, um, be on the part of the women's ministry team, and participate in community outreach and volunteering, which is all vital to our, our faith journey. I read on, the blog, on a blog this week, it can be hard for some of us to commit to community, especially if we're guarded or we prefer being alone. But community is God's desire for us. Yeah. He, it's a sign of mature faith because at the end of the day, when we grow in our relationship with others, we're growing in relationship with him. Yeah, that's cool. I appreciate you sharing this because, you know, coming, coming to church, gathering for worship is, is sort of the, the baby step of saying, I, I want to be connected right. with something bigger. And, mm -hmm. But, you know, we realize that in rows like this, uh, being known and knowing others doesn't really happen until you break that down into a, a smaller group. And, and, and you share with us that you got involved in that smaller group in, our, in a life group very early. Yes, yeah. yes, right away. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I know we're in this life group season and we're right. encouraging people to join. So what <laughs> yes. would you tell people about life groups? Um, God didn't just call me into community. Um, he's calling all of us into community. Yeah. 
Um, he, he wants us to do life together in circles and not in rows. So um, we have so many um, options available to join life groups. And so I just encourage you to step out of your comfort zone and, and join life group. Yeah, thank you. Can I pray for you? Absolutely. All right. Father, we thank you for uh, what you've done in Cheryl's life, how you've brought healing and health and, and eternal uh, uh, salvation to her life. And so, Lord, we ask that you bless her and bless all of us as we take that opportunity to go deeper with you and one another in community. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, Cheryl. You're give welcome. her a please. Give her a round of applause, please. So you know where we're going today. We're going to be talking about the, the habit of community. If you're taking notes in your book, it's on page 22 is your life group uh, uh, page that you can take sermon notes on. So I encourage you to do that. Um, there's a truth that we all need to recognize as Christ followers, and it's this. We're better together, all right? We're better together. Um, when you study what the Bible tells us about ourselves, you're going to learn this. And this is the first point that I want you to write down. Uh, you're going to learn about the conviction of our creator. The conviction of our creator. So what is that conviction? What is, what is the conviction that God has? We're going to go back to the creation story. And from the very beginning of creation, you'll see that the conviction of God, our creator, is that we would be in community, that, that we would be in community, connected to one another. So before I show you the verse that really illustrates that for all of us, um, let's just put this in the context, okay? So remember the story of creation from Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, day 1, God created the light and he pushed back the darkness so that there was day and night. Day 2, God pushed back the water and created the sky. Day 3, God created the ground and he gathered the water into oceans and he brought forth plants and trees from the ground. Day 4, God created the sun and the moon and the stars. Day five, God created the birds to fly in the sky and the fish and the creatures to swim in the oceans. And day six, God created the animals and he created humans. And on day seven, God rested. Now, really, that's, that's the 30,000 foot view of creation. You, you find it in Genesis chapter one. But when you start reading in Genesis chapter two, all of a sudden, you, you zoom in on what God did in creation. You zoom into his creation of humanity. And we read how God formed the first person uh, from the dust of the ground and how he, he brew, blew breath into him. He created it. It says he blew the breath of life into him and made him alive. And then God gives this person his purpose, which is to take care of the garden where he's been placed. And at that moment, in all of the commotion of what's going on as God has created uh, all of these things, God comes to a realization. And, and it, it, you can see it unfold right there in Genesis chapter 2. And here's the verse that demonstrates his realization. Genesis chapter 2, verse 11. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's not good to be alone. God realized that being in community was important for this man that he had created. So, so God creates all the animals, but quickly realizes that, you know, 
while animals can give companionship, they're really not suitable for, for true relationship, for true community. So we read that God made another person for the man, and he called her woman. So let's go back to what God said. God said, it's not good to be alone. So what's God's remedy for aloneness? It's community. Uh, he created another person so that the man would be in community with somebody else, so that, that he would be in relationship, so they would have a mutual give-and-take relationship. Now, think about this. We are all created by God, and it's not good for us to be alone, so we're created to be in relationship with other human beings. And it doesn't matter whether you're uh, the most introverted po person in the world or the most extroverted person in the world or somewhere in between. Everybody needs to be known and to know others. We were created to be known by others and to know other people. Everybody needs that. Everybody needs somebody to bounce ideas off. Everybody needs something, someone to discuss things with. Everybody needs somebody to, to push back a little bit and lovingly challenge. Everybody needs somebody to encourage them. And on and on and on we can go. For the follower of Jesus Christ, this is critical. Because we understand that as the scriptures say, that we're like iron sharpening iron when we're in relationship. We, we make each other better. That's that idea that we're better together. Pastor Eugene Peterson has written this. He, he says, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from immersion in community, in the embrace of community. And then he says, I am not myself by myself. We need one another because he and you and I know that God created us to be connected to one another. We become a better version of ourselves when we're in community. When we are part of something bigger than ourselves, we understand that, that there's a bigger purpose in life than just what we understand that we want for our lives. When we're united with others and following Christ, we understand what that big purpose is. Now, remember this. The conviction of our creator is that he created us to be in community. Now, you think that idea is only found in the second chapter of Genesis where God says, you know, it's not good to be alone. Um, but while Jesus came to save us and to give us salvation, and while that happens to the individual uh, when he or she personally professes their faith in Jesus Christ, when it help, happens Oftentimes in an individual experience, Jesus didn't envision that we would be individuals following him by our single selves. In fact, he commanded us to do otherwise. So let's look at that. Let's look at the command of our Savior, okay? 
the command of our Savior. In, in the book of John, uh, in, in the 13th chapter of the book of John, there's this powerful illustration. It's the Last Supper, okay? And Jesus does something that, that's truly awe-inspiring. It's an act of servant leadership that moves everybody that reads it. You see, it was the custom in those days to have a slave or a servant at the home who would wash your feet when you would come to eat at a meal because when you sat to eat at a meal, it wouldn't be like sitting at a table like you and I sit at. You would actually be low and your feet, you would actually recline and your feet would be near your other guests. Now, I don't know how you feel about other people's feet, but think about this. This was in a culture where we didn't have nice shoes that uh, protected our feet and actually make them pretty sweaty sometimes. Um, you know, you probably had sandals and you walk through dusty, dirty streets where animal dung was and who knows what else was there. And, and so um, not an appetizing atmosphere, okay? So in this upper room, there was no servant. There was no slave. Nobody to wash the feet. And so it says Jesus got up and he took off his outer garment, he wrapped a, a towel around his waist, and then he went to each of the disciples, and, and he washed their feet. And at the end of washing their feet, he began to teach them, and he said, as I have done for you, so you should do for one another. And then he said this, I have a new command for you, and this is it. He says, love one another. Love one another. And he goes on, he says, as I have loved you, so now you should love one another. To, to love one another as he has loved them, he's saying, this is how you're supposed to be. He actually goes further. He says, this will be your identity to the rest of the world is how you love one another. And then as you read through the, the next chapters, you see chapter 13 in the gospel of, of John is the last supper. They're celebrating the Passover. And, and there are all of these chapters where Jesus goes on and he teaches before his arrest in the garden of Gethsemane. And he teaches. And it comes up time and time again about love. And, and he says things like this. If you love me, Keep my commands. And then one last time in, in chapter 15, he says, love each other as I have loved you. Do you know what this tells us? This tells us that love is the currency of community. If you want to have community with other people, there has to be this sense that... Um, that there's love, that there's care, that there's compassion, that there, there's love for one another there, that, that you're willing to do that. You know, the reality is none of us want to be in a relationship with somebody that hates us. Uh, you know, that's repulsive on a very basic emotional level. But when we feel loved, when we feel embraced, just emotionally embraced, we sense that we are welcome. Love is the currency of community. And you're not going to have lasting, real lasting community with people if you don't love them like Jesus. Now, 
Let's talk about this. You know, it's really easy to give lip service to what Jesus commanded. You know, when we read that Jesus tells us to love each other as I have loved you, we can say to ourselves and everybody else, well, I do that. I love everybody. Do you? Do you really? I mean, be honest with yourselves. You know, I can imagine that we all have somebody in our lives that we struggle to love. It could be that cranky neighbor. It could be that frustrating person at work. It could be that person in your life who has no verbal filter and says awkward things at the, the most inappropriate times. It could be that person who has offended you with their words or even worse, with their actions. Even worse than that, it could be someone who has done irreparable damage to you or someone who is near and dear to your heart. But Jesus commands us to love with no caveats, no conditions, no clauses. He says, love others. He says, love your neighbor like you love yourself. He says, love your enemies and pray for them. Now, I think it's always important when, when you hear Jesus say, love your enemies to understand the culture. You may say, well, I have some enemies and I struggle to love them. It's a pretty safe bet that in 2019, your enemies are not trying to kill you, all right? That they're not physically after taking your life. But in first century Israel, uh, there was that real possibility. Um, you remember, uh, the, the enemies uh, that Jesus' audience would have thought of as soon as he said, love your enemies, were the, the Roman troops that occupied Israel uh, from the governor all the way down to the troops. They had the power to kill people. And honestly, it could be done without any consequences for those soldiers. Remember also, if you know the history of Israel at all, they, they lived in a part of the world in the Middle East where um, things uh, were not safe, where there were wars constantly, not unlike it's been in uh, the history of, of the world and uh, over the past, you know, 50 years or so. And, you know, the only reason in many ways that the peace was being kept at that time in, in first century Israel was because uh, the Roman army from the Roman Empire that was all powerful was there and uh, everybody knew they outpowered them. And so to even uh, have a skirmish in Israel um, would bring down the wrath of the Roman army and they, they would uh, kill people indiscriminately. So I wanted to share that with you in context. When Jesus said, love your enemies, he was talking about uh, something that, that was really uh, life-threatening, something that we don't really completely understand. So you know, I've gotten on a little bit of a tangent here on Jesus' command to love, but, but let me just remind us again, love is the currency of community. And now let me make an important distinction. While we're called to love everybody, um, we're not called to be in community with everybody. All right. First, let me make this distinction. While you can be in, while you, while you can and should be in community with people uh, who are not followers of Jesus Christ, we're talking about Christian disciplines here. 
so when I'm talking about spirit, the spiritual habit of being in community, I'm really talking about being in community with other followers of Christ. Now, let me refine that a little bit more. You know, we're a church of uh, over 400 people. Um, we're not talking about uh, being in community with 400 people at one time. That, that's humanly impossible for us to do. Uh, yes, we can love one another uh, in a group of 400. We can worship alongside one another in a group of 400. We can serve shoulder to shoulder. We can encourage one another. But being in community is going to happen in smaller groups, smaller gatherings of people. And that's why we make no apologies about encouraging the importance of joining a life group. You see, the purpose of a life group is to do life with other Christians, to be known and to know others, to become a, a community by being known and knowing others, by studying the Bible, by uh, praying for one another and caring for one another and loving one another. Remember, love is the currency of community. You see, when we were created to be in community and love each other, uh, God had a plan in mind. Um, think about this. Why would God give birth to this thing that we call the church if we weren't supposed to be in community? Now, historically, at, at the time uh, uh, when, after Jesus ascended into heaven, there were about, it's, the Bible tells us, 120 followers of Jesus. In fact, they were gathered today on the day that the church was born. That day we call the day of Pentecost. And on that day, the, the, the church was born and it exploded from 120 people to over 3,000 and 120 people. So think that through. Again, we all were made to be in community, okay? So uh, you read about this in the, in the second chapter of the book of Acts, and that leads us to this. God had a vision, Let's talk about this vision. It's the vision of church. The vision of church. In the New Testament, we learn that we need one another. Uh, you know there, there are some things as followers of Jesus Christ that you cannot do alone. You can come to faith on your own, and you can even do some of the spiritual disciplines on your own. But unless you're marooned on a desert island with no other people that you'll ever come into contact with, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there are things that you can do and should do with one another. And we're instructed time and time again in the New Testament about that. For Christians, the Bible tells us that there are some important things that we need to understand about belonging to one another. So let me just read a couple of verses and let you absorb them uh, because, you know, we belong to one another, and that means we have to be in community. In the book of Romans, we read this. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That's right. We, we're part of something bigger than ourselves, and we, we belong to one another. We have a common faith. Uh, we have a common baptism. We have a common Lord Jesus Christ, all right? In the book of Corinthians, it tells us this. You are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. So there's this idea that being a follower of Jesus means we're part of something that's bigger than ourselves. When you go through scripture, you're going to discover time and time again that there's all of these commands that have the phrase one another in them. 
I call them the one another's. There's, there's about 24 specific one another's that we're called to uh, fulfill as followers of Jesus Christ. And you can't do them without being in community. It's that whole one another thing. Uh, you, you'll hear more about that uh, this week in, uh, in the life group study. So I encourage you to be a part of that. But here's what I want you to know. We're connected because of our faith in Jesus Christ. So that means uh, the church is a community and the church then is a place to belong, a place to believe, and a place to become. Now, some people would argue with me that you have to believe before you belong, but I don't think that's real life experience. I'll share my own experience. When, when I was a child growing up and even all the way into my high school years, um, and I will tell you that while I went to church and I would have told you I was a Christian, I had never made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, so I really wasn't a Christian. But I was in, in a group of people who accepted me, who loved me, who encouraged me, um, and who disciplined me when I needed it and who allowed me to serve alongside them and, and, and gave me instruction about that. And that was powerful to me. And again, I wasn't a follower of Jesus Christ. I wasn't committed to him at that point in my life. I didn't really understand uh, what it was like because I was raised in a family that went to church and, you know, um, typical uh, boy, it just sort of went over my head. You know, it just, it did. And I didn't get it until, honestly, I was 19. That's when I came to faith in Jesus Christ. But, but let me share you even the personal history of this church. I can just share with you one person, and there's many others, but, but one guy who used to come to our church before he moved to the South, and he said, you know, there's something about what's going on here. And he said, you know, uh, I'm sort of atheist, but uh, can I come? I said, sure you can come. And then eventually after coming, well, after a while, he says, would it be okay if, if I help? I said, you want to serve? He goes, yeah, can I serve? I said, sure you can serve. And you know what happened? Week after week, day after day, month after month, year after year, hearing the gospel, experiencing some level of community in the body of Christ, he professed faith in Jesus. So, so that's why I say, for many people, the church sometimes is a place to belong before they ever believe. So it really doesn't matter. It, maybe you believe first and then you belong, or maybe you feel like you belong first and then you believe. But, but big picture, the, God gave us the church as a place where we belong. And it's a place where we can believe that, that not only we've been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, but that we can become who God wants us to become as we study scripture with one another, as we do life with each other, as we encourage one another, as we walk through life with one another, it's so important that we understand. You see, this community gives us that sense that we belong. It's that place where we can work out how we believe, and it's that place where we can become who God wants us to be. Now, let me be transparent, okay? Um, some of you have experienced in the body of Christ what I call church hurt, okay? Um, another Christian said something uh, that uh, may have said something that hurt your feelings and you felt slighted or overlooked. 
Uh, maybe a, a Christ follower made a commitment to you and then broke it. Uh, maybe a pastor or a church leader failed you or worse yet, fell into sinful behavior and had to step down. And because of that or some other church hurt, you don't feel like you can trust being in community with other Christians. I understand that whenever someone hurts us, it's hard to trust again. And honestly, it's worse when a fellow Christian hurts you because we feel like of all places in this world where we should never experience hurt, it's in the body of Christ. It's in the church. And, and I agree with you. In a perfect world, it should never uh, happen there. And I wish I could promise you that you'll never experience hurt from another Christian, that you'll never experience hurt in the body of Christ. I wish I could protect you from ever experiencing this thing that I call church hurt. But I can't. Uh, I'm not all-powerful and omnipotent. Um, the reality is, is this church and every church that was and is and ever will be this side of heaven is made up of people. And God's word makes it very clear that every person who's ever been born is a sinner. Okay. And so as hard as we try not to, we will make mistakes and we will sin. It's very possible that, that someday you may get hurt by another Christian or you may hurt another follower of Christ by your words or your actions. I'm going to give you biblical counsel about what to do, okay? Ask God to help you forgive the one who hurt you or to initiate reconciliation with the one that you have hurt. Folks, uh, Satan would love to use church hurt to separate you from other Christians and from the body of Christ. Lisa Turkhurst has written this. If the enemy can isolate us, he can influence us. You know, if Satan can isolate you from other people, from the body of Christ, from Christian community, he can influence you and he wants to do this. So here's what I encourage you to do. Trust God and prayerfully take the steps that you need to, to get back into community with others. That may involve uh, seeing a Christian counselor. That may be involve asking a, another Christian uh, to come and uh, help you reconcile with somebody. But here's what I want you to do. Do whatever it takes to begin the healing process in your life and in other people's lives, okay? Now, look, I'll be the first to tell you that um, sometimes we cannot be in a life group, intimate community with everybody, okay? Um, because there may be uh, um, an emotional disconnect or an emotional hurt there or something that's just not safe, and that's okay, all right? But it's no excuse for not being in Christian community where you feel safe. All right. It's so important that we understand that. You know, we take uh, being in community so serious here that when people desire to become members, we ask them to make a covenant, a promise to God and to the other members to be in community and to maintain healthy community in the body of Christ. And we actually spell out what that looks like. Now, regarding this study on habits, I've been upfront with you uh, um, saying that 
we're not expecting you to add 10 new spiritual habits to your lives. But I will point out this, that there are some habits that are essential. Um, some writers call these habits keystone habits. Uh, a keystone habit is a habit that when you add it to your life, it has a profound effect on other areas of your life, all right? I mentioned this last week. There, there was a woman who replaced her bad habit of smoking with jogging, and that in turn changed how she ate, how she worked, how she slept, how she saved money, how she scheduled her workday, how she planned for her future, and on and on and on. Basically, she made one change in her life, and it had a cascading effect on the rest of her life. Adding that first habit was powerful, for her. The spiritual habit of community will have a cascading effect on your relationship with Christ and with your relationships with others. If you really do community with other Christians, it will encourage you in your faith. It will encourage you to read scripture and to pray and to do other things to help you grow closer to God. And it will encourage you to connect with one another and have healthy relationships in the body of Christ. Now, I've told you this uh, last week. Every week we're going to have a, what I call a sticky note challenge. When you pick up the book, you get a copy of some sticky notes. And if you're like me, you, you put sticky notes with notes on them on um, places where you can remember to do them. I told you last week there's one in my car. There still is one in my car that's a reminder that I need to do something every day. Um, and it's yellow so I can see it. And so it's powerful. This week's sticky note challenge is this. Uh, write down the name of a person a follower of Christ that you'll intentionally connect with to do community, okay? And look, you don't have to tell me, you don't have to tell anybody else. Just put it on that sticky note and put that on a place where you'll see it every day. Maybe it's on the dashboard of your car or on your refrigerator door or on your laptop. I don't know where it is. Maybe it's on the bathroom mirror. Put it on a place where you'll see it. And, uh, you know, when you've done it, then you can take it off. Why? Because we believe community is important. Look, um, no, as I said, we're unashamedly uh, push, pressing in to life groups. Uh, and so uh, we want to encourage you to join a life group. And, um, you know, I will say this. If your life experience, uh, your life circumstances prevent you from, from joining a, a physical life group, we are looking into, uh, this sounds crazy, starting a virtual, virtual life group. So if you would be interested in that, you physically can't get to a life group, you know, just put down your name and your email on a welcome card and drop it in the basket because we'll connect, you, connect with you about that because we want to do that. Here's something else you need to know. Again, if you physically just can't get out to a life group, if you, by the way, get our weekly electronic newsletter, uh, we're sending out the life group lessons every week. So if you sign up for that, uh, you can get those. And, but I would encourage you to don't do those individually. Do it with somebody else, somebody that lives in your house with you or uh, with a neighbor or, you know, uh, if you got FaceTime, you could even do it uh, on FaceTime. But, he, but here's the idea. We're made to be in community. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to close with a song. But, but here's what I want you to think about as we sing this song. I want you to think about how God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in community. We, we call that the Trinity. Um, you know, I, I, I don't I talk about this in the lesson this week, but, uh, you, you know, when you go back and you read the, uh, 
the story of creation. If you've read it before, you may remember that there was something that was said or that uh, was uh, written in there that, that caught your eye and you don't know why. When it comes to the creation, it says, let us create man in our image. Did you catch that? Let us. So the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in community from the creation of the world. They were working together in community. If God works in community, shouldn't his followers work in community? I'm going to pray for us to lean into this habit of community. And then uh, we're going to sing this song as a celebration. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you that you desire for us to live in community. We thank you that you desire for us to connect with one another so that we can go deeper in our relationship with you and with each other. So Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that, that we would lean into that. If we need healing from a past hurt uh, that keeps us from trusting others, Lord, I pray that we would lay that at your feet and that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would heal us. If we need courage and boldness because we're a little timid, I pray that you would allow us to take that, that step emboldened by your Holy Spirit. If we're already in community, I, I hope that you will help us lean into your Holy Spirit to love others the way we love ourselves. Father, help us be the men and the women that you desire us to be in community. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.